Hello and welcome to another episode of Copper Bottomed. Uh, this week, the show is being produced quite late in the week. I'm sorry, I've been on jury duty, um, doing my jury summons. Uh, so, well, all it means is I've had a little bit more time for more news to come through. So let's get straight into it. It's, uh, this is for the week starting the 13th of November, even though I'm now at the back end of that week. Um, perhaps the most important bit of news for the copper market uh, on the supply side this week is that uh, Ivanhoe Mines announced inaugural um, resources for the Makoko and the Kiala um, copper deposits in the western foreland of the southwest of the Democratic Republic of Congo. Um, it's pretty impressive stuff. 16 million tons and Makoko at 35 or 3.55% copper plus that's in the indicator category, plus an inferred mineral resource of 154 million tons at just under 2% copper. So you're talking over 3 million tons of contained copper here, which is a significant uh, discovery. Um, uh, Robert Friedland calls it the fourth largest uh, discovery in the last 10 years. And at Kiala, there's another super high grade, um, 5 million tons at 3.56% copper. It just means that if you think about the average grade of copper being mined in the world at the moment, around 0.5% copper, these two indicated resources are over seven times that grade. So you've got to move seven times less rock to, or crush seven times less rock to get the same amount of copper out. So this is, um, it should be very, very high margin, low cost uh, copper that comes out. Still, um, a really good result. It, it's interesting if you look at the news release, there's a huge preamble, uh, um, lots of highlights at the front end, and then it goes into the, the news release proper, kind of Kulwazi, the DRC, um, 30th of November, and the comments by Robert Friedland, executive chairman. This team is now responsible for the largest copper discovery of the last 10 years, which is Kakula, as well as Kamoa, and now the fourth largest discovery in Makoko. They're looking into whether Makoko's near-surface mineralized zone is amenable to heat leaching, which, if possible, would be a very low-capital-intensive as well as a low-carbon-intensive way of producing copper cathode. Interesting. So they're looking at um, heat leaching, which is always which is always an interesting thing. I, what I take away from this is that Ivanhoe Mines and Robert Friedland and the backing that he's given it over the years, this is nation-building stuff. This is even for a country as big and as resource-rich as uh, the DRC, these are significant assets which are going to change the the, the the course of the country. It's really remarkable. And remember that the Libito Corridor is, work, is opening up. So instead of having to rail it so far down through South Africa and perhaps to Mozambique, um, now there's a closer uh, rail port, a lot of it funded by the Chinese. Um, um, but it's, th th this is changing the infrastructure of um, Africa, which is really, really interesting. Um, now, not content with that, Robert Friedland then put out a, uh, a post on Twitter X, and this came out on Wednesday. Interestingly, he doesn't normally post a lot, but this was a thread. Uh, it might have been prepared by someone on his team. It might have been him, him himself, but it's got nine points to it, and all of them are pretty positive about the copper price. Uh, he talks about how the, the cost of getting your concentrate turned into metal has fallen in China, which suggests that there's capacity in the smelters and the refineries. Um, he talks about the, uh, the, the, the smelter expansion, 
Um, th this is comments from uh, a VP at Jiangxi Copper talking about there's a problem sourcing the, the copper concentrate. So the mine output is not keeping up with the processing, downstream processing. Another related point, Trafigura. There's news here that Trafigura is helping the Chinese smelter clear imports. Um, there's pressure on the Chinese authorities to loosen copper scrap. It's all talking to tightness in the market. Um, he then references the Cobre Panama situation, which we spoke about, which I spoke about last week and the week before. Interestingly, if you look for the latest news on Cobre Panama, uh, output is already being throttled back. Uh, the the port is being disrupted by protest, um, and it means that they can't get the, the consumables, the reagents and the chemicals in, and they can't get the volumes out that they want to. So it's a 300,000 ton per annum mine, there, there or thereabouts. Remember that the um, surplus for next year has been forecast at 460-odd thousand tons, and the, the lawyers... Uh, who were surveyed, uh, I picked up a kind of story that the lawyers who were surveyed in Panama, uh, there was a group that was questioned, and the, the view is that the mine license is going to be rescinded, so they're all revoked, which means that there's going to be a hiatus in production. Um, now, whether that's six months, which would be 150,000 tons off the market, or a year, which would be 300,000 tons off the market, I don't know, and we'll find out on the 17th of December when there's this referendum, but the risk is that that margin of that surplus of 460,000 tons of um, excess copper supply next year forecast relative to demand will be a lot tighter. Um, I'm not saying that Cobra Panama is going to shut down forever. Uh, I think too much infrastructure is, is in place and also it's too important for the country. But there may be hiccups. Robert Friedland goes on to talk about Chinese factory output, housing stimulus, um, imported copper cathode premiums rising and also the inflation uh, in the US and globally seems to be um, moderating, which could lead to a reduction or to an end in um, the rate hikes. All good, positive stuff. And then I picked up another thing, which was I thought was a, a really interesting thing for copper and for other metals linked to wind and solar, uh, such as tin. Um, there was the Biden sheep meeting, uh, BBC News produced an article saying the five things we learned and the first thing they said uh point number one support global efforts to tri to triple renewable energy by 2030 now obviously i've got a problem with the word renewable because i don't think there's anything renewable about um wind and solar trying to integrate it onto the large scale into the grid but it does mean that there's a lot of copper demand and tin demand coming through so um that's my take on the market um the copper price has been pretty solid. It's up at $3.69 per pound. And I think what you're seeing is that the concerns of the surplus and the glut for next year are gradually being chipped away, chipped away, chipped away by um, uh, strong demand and um, supply constraints. Now we come to the news release section, the weekly highlights for the 13th of November. It's actually this, this email gets produced and sent out by the Junior Mining Hub Weekly. Uh, the result summary gets sent out on the Saturday, so actually it's for the the cutoff date is the 11th of November. Five companies uh, here: um, Pacific Ridge Exploration, Kodiak Copper, Aston Bay Holdings, Emerita Resources, and Pan Global Resources. And so let's get straight into it. Okay, so the um, judge the 486 meters by 0.27 gives the biggest number 
And so this is the first company that I'll be talking about. Pacific Ridge Exploration, $19 million. Um, you can see the share price here. Uh, for years, it was bumbling along with almost no volume uh, at share prices below 10 cents. Then it's obviously got into a kind of a, a, a better narrative, a better project, uh, rising up to 2022, and it's gone from 40 cents. We're back down at 15 cents. So I thought, okay, interesting. Let's have a look at this news release. And crikey, what a uh, difficult news release to access. Um, it was very densely written with a lot of data, a lot of numbers. Uh, it starts off immediately by talking about 0.48% copper equivalent, which is a no-no. I'm not interested in copper equivalents, and we'll find out. I, I mean, I spoke about it last week, but I'll repeat it this week. Or, as if it wasn't bad enough, we get two copper, we get a gold equivalent as well. Within 486 meters of another copper equivalent or another gold equivalent. So immediately my head is spinning and it's got my back up because this is uh, the wrong way to present your information. And then they go into, please pronounce results from diamond drill holes 59 to 62 from this year's exploration program at the Cleal Copper Gold Porphyry Project. Cleal or Project Fine. Hole 62 returned 113 meters of copper equivalent or gold equivalent on 0.22% copper, 0.36 gold, and 1.6 grams silver within six, 486 meters of 0.15 copper, 0.17 gold, and 0.89 silver. Okay. It goes on to say Pacific Ridge completed a total of 19 diamond drill holes, 51 to 69, totaling 10,284 meters at Cleal this year the largest ever exploration project program at the project. Fine. And then in the middle of the kind of the, the just to the bit when you're just trying to understand what's going on, they put in a, a whole section of gold equivalents, copper equivalents from historic uh, news releases, you know, old stuff that's got nothing to do with this news release. I had to cut it out of the way. It's blah, blah, blah. Lots of unnecessary um, historic detail gets in the way. Um, and then, I had to cut out loads of stuff just to get it on the page. Results for the remaining seven drill holes will be released once they're received and compiled. So uh, they've done 19. Today, they're producing, releasing 59 to 62. So four drill holes, 59, 60, 61, 62. And they've got seven drill holes uh, to come, which means that 12 of the historic ones. But they gave all of the detail of the historic ones, which was of no use whatsoever. Then they... Um, in the highlights, they repeat uh, what was included right up at the top here, which is all of this gold equivalent, copper equivalent stuff, and it's just repeated information, which was, I had to cut out. Then they mention hole 60, which had 60 meters of gold equivalent, copper equivalent, guff, and then 0.18% copper and 0.32 gold within, where are we now, 0.16 and 0.26 gold. You've got to hunt so carefully for the information here. I mean, this is disastrous um, reporting. It makes life so difficult for an investor or anybody interested in this story. I, I would have given up a long time before if I wasn't kind of forcing myself to do it for this for this show. Um, drilling to date has expanded the known events of the no ex known extent of KMZ mineralization to 600 meters east-west, 600 meters north-south, and 600 meters of vertical. So open in all directions it's a big blob 600 by 600 by 600 and then i went into the you know plowed through the rest of this news release trying to find something of to give me an indication of what's actually going on 
I found this cross-section of sorts, which it was pretty low resolution, but um, it looks as if the drill holes have gone into this um, magnetic anomaly and they've picked up large areas of um, mineralization. That's good. That's, I mean, I, that's good. I ended up having to hunt around and I found, um, I went onto their uh, presentation and I saw that they're comparing these drill holes with the grades of Mount Milligan um, and various other mines which and reserves in the area. But then I thought, well, hang about, but that's, that, these are just one drill hole and those were the average grades. Um, so let's look at the other drill holes. And here we go. If There's a table here, hole 59. Um, which is obviously down to at least 264 meters. Um, but they only got 12 meters at 0 0.04 and um, 0.1 gold and 17 meters at 0.06% copper and 0.02 gold, which meant all the rest of it was, was, was below detection limit. And again, in hole 61, there's only um, they drilled down at least to 227. I don't know how much further they went. And they only got three meters at 0 0.03 and 0 0.21 gold. Yes, hole 60 and 62 did hit some broad intersections of mineralization, low-grade mineralization, but the other two holes were effectively barren. So it's remembered that yes, these the, the the holes which have got mineralization do reflect the uh the average grade of what are mines in the area. But it's much more complicated than that because there are holes within the same category which are either barren or host very little mineralization. And then right underneath, there's this tiny, in very, very small print, this was their copper equivalent uh, calculation. And this is a, a perfect example of why you should not put in uh, copper equivalents because it says there has been no metallurgical testing on cleal mineralization. They estimate copper recoveries and gold recoveries and silver recoveries based on the average recoveries from Chemes, Mount Milligan, and Red Chris. It's just, just don't do it. I then thought, well, what's the geology here? And I, trawling through reams of undigestible technical text, which with very few descriptions, and there's scarn mineralization, there are loads of different dikes. It's very hard to know what's going on, but um, I certainly wouldn't want to suggest that they're anywhere close to having an understanding of what they actual payable metal is going to be from these kinds of things. So um, good luck is what I can say. Uh, what I want to see from this company is press releases that are digestible and convey the information in a succinct manner. I'd love to see them not using copper equivalents or gold equivalents, but just to stick to the metal. Um, and um, they need to find some consistently mineralized bodies of a higher grade, I think. Anyway, as I said, good luck. Um, on to the next one, Kodiak Copper. Market capitalization, $37 million. Uh, obviously, it's been a torrid couple of years since that first, let's call it kind of the, the, the first flush of excitement on what was potentially a discovery drill hole. Um, it's been much harder to back up that first result, and that's really a function of what happens in exploration. Geologists typically go in and they drill the best targets first, um, and it's, uh, it's sometimes hard to kind of back up those very good initial results, particularly in a, in a terrible market like the one that we're living through at the moment. Having said that, this is a peach of a news release. This is beautifully written. It's very clear. I've only got one minor gripe, 
which is that they use copper equivalent, but I think that's very entrenched in um, uh, Canadian companies, despite it being crystal clear in the in the Toronto Stock Exchange guidelines that you shouldn't do it. Um, but look at this. Kodiak drills from surface, copper at man zone. Lovely. Uh, 116 meters of better grade within um, uh, 338 meters of a kind of a slightly lower grade. That's fine. Okay. The, uh, Kodiak Copper reports results from its fully funded, good, that's useful information, and its 100% owned MPD Copper Gold Porphyry product, useful information, assay results from the first two holes drilled at the man zone. Again, really useful information are presented in this release. See figure one, very good. Highlights, figures, and table, good. Kodiak's drilling of the man zone has significantly extended copper gold mineralization, which is still open in multiple directions. Okay, so there was historic data here. This is their first drilling, and they've opened it up. Good. It's located near Kodiak's gate zone, which is um, less than two kilometers to the south and a long trend. That's fine. New drilling in holes one and two delivered some of the best ever results at man, better than historic, I presume, and confirmed copper and gold from surface to almost a kilometre deep, including intervals of moderately higher copper gold grades. Good. I like the fact they call it moderately higher. Uh, it's circumspect. It's not exaggerated language. The drill holes had end. The drill holes ended in mineralization. Fine. It'll be a function of grade, really, and economics, and a whole bunch of other things. Whether it gets taken further uh, any deeper. Okay. So they got um, 0.34% copper. Good. Thank goodness they didn't lead with a C, um, copper equivalent here and 0.17% copper over the wider interval. Porphyry mineralization at MAN correlates well with um, 3DIP and anomalies that extend to significant depths, convert, confirming the exploration model. Good. They've dropped the kind of the language about this is the biggest discovery since Ben-Hur. Um, they're just talking about exploration models, moderately higher copper grades. I like it. Uh, Claudia Tonquist says, with these latest results from the man zone, we've validated our exploration models. Good circumspect language. The first two holes at man are a promising start. Good circumspect language. And over the coming months, we're looking forward to many more results from the five targets we drilled this year. Again, circumspect um, language, which I like. Um, beautiful cross-section. It shows the old historic drilling up here and the deeper drilling down here. Um, some good mineralization. I'm a fan of high-grade. Uh, this is, it might work if they get the tonnage together in um, British Columbia. It's a good company doing good exploration. The geology needs to help uh, the, the the company along and you can understand why they're a market cap of $37 million um, because they haven't quite got into the guts of something really rich just yet, but they're doing all the right things. And um, I would like to see more drill results. Let's see what the results are of those five targets um, from from the from the next uh, from the as they come out from the drilling that they've done this year. Right next, Aston Bay Holdings market capitalization of twelve million dollars, trading at six cents, a flurry of excitement, and then back down again. Uh, it's moved sideways really pretty much for the last four years. Nothing much is happening. I this is not the first uh, news release that I've covered from Aston Bay and the and the Storm project. And American West Metals have got the, basically the economics here. Um, so that's why you're not really seeing much of a pull through in terms of Aston, Aston Bay. 
I've got a few issues with the news release. It's it's generally fine, but further assay results from the summer reverse circulation RC drilling program have returned thick intervals of near surface high grade copper mineralization. So 24 meters, is that really thick? Is it high grade? I've highlighted the high grade things, but we could easily be doing the 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 thicknesses as well. I mean, um, 12 meters, is that really thick? 1% copper, is that really high grade? I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, and one and a half meters and one and a half meters are certainly not thick and three meters at 2.7. Okay, maybe 2.7 is actually um, high grade. But remember, <laughs> uh, Ivanhoe mines have just, you know, found 150 million tons of stuff at 2.2% um, copper. Okay, but it's true the 4100 zone has got a strike of uh, 1300 meters and a width of 400 meters. Strong correlation between geophysics and copper mineralization with many more targets which to be tested all good all of the known high grade let's not call it high grade let's call it all of the known copper zones which are near surface that's true remain open um and then there's this really weird thing in the middle of the news release our partners american west are aggressively moving this near surface mineralization toward a potential low cost high margin DSO production scenario. I mean, this is none of it. This is this is way, 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 way north. Um, it's the Arctic tundra, and one percent copper material is not DSO. I, and they're just in the early stages of exploration. Now, for me, including this sentence is a serious uh, misjudgment. It's an error of judgment. To it, it's poorly judged to put talking about early stage production dso first of all it's not you're nowhere near close to producing two it's in the arctic tundra and three it's, it's not high enough grade to be dso so it was a very very weird thing just to suddenly find in the middle of that anyway i carried on i read the rest of it um oh the other thing which struck me about this news release was that there were no um cross sections so there's just a plan here uh, which is fine. It shows it's open mineralization, open in all directions, um, along strike and um, width. But I do expect to see cross sections. Um, a total of 63 drill holes were done in 2023 for um, uh, 9,700 meters. So these are short, short holes. That's fine. It kind of emphasizes how shallow it is. And they it's confirmed a large volume of flat-lying continuous mineralization over a significant lateral extent confirms thick intervals of copper mineralization on the margins of the 14100 zone thick giving strong indications that the mineralization remains open laterally in most directions and it goes on to say the flat line geometry strata bound nature and metal zonation are typical of sediment hosted copper deposits okay this is getting quite interesting i mean just from a purely academic point of view understanding the copper market not as a recommendation of, of an investment. Um, this abundance of sim similar mineralization, both at the surface and at depth, suggests there could be one element of a much larger scale sediment-hosted copper system. Now, remember to get anything operating that far north, this has to be absolutely huge to, to get into production, to, to warrant the infrastructure. Um, <clears throat> and then they talk about the grade of the mineralized intervals correlates directly to the density and volume of fractures and structures, i.e. the available space within the host dolo mudstones. And that tells you several key bits of information. One is that 
there's a favorable horizon, which is a dolo mudstone, and the dolomite is a magnesium um, calcium uh, kind of quasi limestone, um, which has got which is silty and muddy, which is why it's kind of a dolo mudstone. But it means that that carbonate content in there was going to be a reactive uh, part of the rock uh, chemistry, which means that it's going to be challenging to use acid to leach this. So it's, this points to kind of a needing to do some metallurgical test work to understand any economic viability here. Um, and it also shows you that the mineralization is associated with structure and um, uh, fractures, which means that not guaranteed that the entire layer of dolo mudstones is going to be mineralized because you're going to be controlled by structures. So you've got to understand your structure. Don't get too carried away in thinking this thing covers uh, tens of square kilometers because it's related to structure. So lots to think about, but possibly not as an investment, but more as an exploration target. Right, next, Emerita Resources Corp. Um, amazingly, if you look at that share price chart, which looks like a, a minnow, whatever that that share price is, I mean, it's not much. And then it scoots all the way up to um, $4 or $0.04 or whatever it is. And it's now down at um, $0.32 or $0.30. And it's still got a market capitalization of $72 million. So so the valuation here must have been in the hundreds of millions of dollars at one stage. The news release was beautifully written, really, really clear. And look at this. This is a Canadian company with a QP who gives a damn. Um, Merita intersects 6 metres, grading 0.2% copper, 1.6% lead, 5.5% zinc, 0.98 gold, and 59 grams silver. There you go. You just report the metals as they come. Within a thick, massive sulphide intercept of 52 metres, grading 0.5 copper, 1 lead, 1.5 zinc, 0.5 gold, and 26 silver. Extends La La Romanera deposit at depth. Perfect. And then you read the news release, uh, November the 6th, pleased to announce additional assay results from the ongoing drilling program, all good information so far, parts of the Meritor's wholly owned Iberian Belt West IBW project. Good. IBW hosts three massive sulfide deposits, Infanta, Romanera, Cura. Princess, Roman, Priest, if you're interested. Um, Results contained in this release are from La Romanera. Fine. All deposits are open for expansion. This is great. It's very clear, all useful and pertinent information. And it continues. The company's got four diamond rigs operating at Romanera and one that's on the first hole at the Nueva Tintilla project, 85 kilometers to the east. Good information. Metallurgical work on IBW is in progress. Test work, end November. Fine. Four samples being evaluated, three from Romanera and one from Infanta. Fine. Good information. Um, assays have been received for um, for diamond drill holes 156 and 157. Okay, uh, These two holes have been um, surveyed. Downhole EM. Mineralization continues be- below both. Down plunge to the west. Confirming the deposit extends further at depth. Good. Hole 159 hit. About 44 meters of massive sulfides and assays are pending. Great. So obviously 159 has gone deeper than 156 and 57 and they've still got the mineralization there. Like it. According to the president of Emerita, uh, we continue to see a very thick massive sulfide zone at Romanera where drilling is expanding the deposit beyond the recent announced 
mineral resource. Good. Given these some of the thickest massive sulfides to date at Roman era, in addition to the downhill EM, we're optimistic there continues to be significant room to expand this deposit. Great. I like it all. And then they give you the results from the two drill holes, um, 24 meters at 0 0.5, 0 0.8, 1.9, 1, and 30, 38. Really, really good. And true. they talk about the true thickness here. Super. Super. The only thing they didn't put in there is the from and the two, um, which indicates that it's probably quite deep. And then if you look for the... <laughs> if you look for... So... The weird thing is that this is a really good news release up to this point. And then they don't include the from two and they don't include a cross section. All we get is a long section, which makes me think, oh, that's a bit weird. And then you measure like, how deep is that? I can't actually remember what the scale is on this, but we're several hundred meters below the surface. And I, was, I thought, actually, what I'll do is I'll go to the presentation and see if I can find a cross section. And there I did find a um, cross section and you can see this is um, steeply dipping. So these holes which are below the bottom of the resource are obviously several hundred meters below which means that they're trying not trying to hide something they're just not being open when they talk about the from two on their on the front page of their drill resource come on guys give me the front give me the from two don't don't shy away and then another weird thing i thought i'll go and have a look at the um the the, the resource that they've recently published and in it, they talk about the mineral resources are reported at a cutoff grade of 3% zinc equivalent. I mean, the whole thing's at uh, 7 and a bit percent zinc equivalent. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. I wonder how they do their zinc equivalent calculations, because they, they can do this for a resource. You're allowed to produce it. And they talk about the zinc equivalent grade is the grade times the recovery times the zinc price. And then adjusted for the, all of the others, the lead, and the, then translated into the copper, and then the silver, and then the gold. And the long-term price assumptions are quite punchy. That's fine. But it's really the relationships. It's the, it's the relative value of zinc to copper that's important. And actually, uh, 9,500 copper over 3,000 ton zinc boosts. It, it's, it's fine. It's in, part, it's in line with where we are today. But the, this is slightly out of kilter. The gold to zinc ratio is slightly out of kilter because the zinc price is not 3,000 and the gold price is only 1,800. So that ratio is going to skew things. But then I went on and they talked about looking at the metallurgical recoveries of 100% zinc. Well, that's not true. And then 80, 80, 80 and 20%. And I was thinking, crikey, what's going on here? This is This is really weird. And... I know I keep talking about you shouldn't have metal equivalents for exploration results, and you should not. And I'm just going to just going to illustrate why. There's a um, let's follow me through these next three slides, please. Okay, now let's look at the payable. And Emeritus is talking about a zinc equivalent grade. So let's look at the the the, the zinc case in um, specifically. If you go to the tech website in the under media investors, presentations, and webcasts, you can find a modeling workshop that they did in 2015. And the, the link is right here. I urge you to go and download it and to save it on your computer because if tech ever gets bought out, you're going to want to keep hang onto that presentation because it's really, really good. They talk about the copper market and they talk through some work examples of what you can expect to get in your metal equivalent or your copper equivalent. And the crucial thing is about your payable zinc or your pebble copper in that in copper's case, but here for 
um, emerita, it's your pebbles, zinc, and silver. Now, look at this. If your concentrate grades above 53.3%, you're likely to get 85% payable. Only 85% payable. And um, if it's less than that, you deduct eight units. And the silver in your zinc concentrate, if it's running above 93 grams uh, or three ounces, you deduct three ounces and pay for 70% of the remaining content. Yeah? So, I mean, th th this is why you must not use metal equivalents in an exploration play because you just don't know how much metal you're going to be getting out. Okay? So, uh, uh, tech brilliantly, they talk about this. They look at the benchmark treatment charge in dollars per dry metric ton um, and a price basis of the of the metal. Okay, this is a few years back and the zinc price is now whatever it is, $2,300, but effectively this is about 12% of your metal price goes and pay your um, treatment charge. And there are no refining charges for, for zinc concentrates. Now, what is a treatment charge? It is the cost of what it takes to convert a ton of concentrates into metal. It's a market-driven commercial term. So when the smelters are empty, they reduce the treatment charge. When smelters are full, your treatment charge um, rises, okay? It's charged by a refinery to a mine. It's revenue for a refiner and it's cost to a mine. So if you're an exploration company and you're converting your metal in an exploration result, you just shouldn't do it because you've got no idea what you're going to be paying, get paid for. There's also price participation. Uh, there are price base prices and um, the escalators. I, I won't go into the detail of this, but it's, it's, a, it's a complex market. It's flexible to changes in the price. So there's kind of a bit of risk distribution as well. Now, here's a worked example. Now, we're talking about the payable zinc example here. Remember that if your grade is above 53.3%, which is this here, in this example, it's 55%. Tech has used 55% here. And they said, this is the zinc price. Uh, this is the, the silver grade in concentrate. And this is the silver price. So the payment terms, you get paid for 85% of the zinc content, multiplied by 55%, so you're getting this, and that's your, that's what you get paid. So it's not $1,800, it's $840, because the concentrate is not pure zinc. That's fine. Um, and then the silver, uh, the silver included into that concentrate, it's, you only get paid on two of the ounces of the five ounces, and you multiply it by 70% payable, uh, so you, that is what you get, $21. And so this is the payable you get per ton of your concentrate. And then you've got to take off the treatment charge which is 12% of the payable of the of the original of the full metal price of zinc remember but this is actually um off your payable zinc here and then the price participation the escalator or the the the, the adjustment and so you're getting paid $624 and remember that the total treatment charge is 28% excuse me um the tw the total treatment charge in this case is 28% of the total payable so 28 percent is a huge amount and remember that most companies that report exploration results and metal equivalents are not talking about the payables and they're not talking about the treatment charges so it's an absolute no-no to use metal equivalents in exploration results i cannot say it enough so there we go just a final point and of course it begs the question how did emerita resources do 
their resource calculation. In this news release here, if I just go back up to it, mineral resources reported at a cut of grade zinc equivalent, and they talk about this zinc equivalent calculation here. It doesn't include payable. It doesn't include treatment charges. I hope that that resource that they published does include that, because otherwise uh, that's going to change the economics and the outline of that resource. I'm, I, I'm not a shareholder. I know nothing about it, the, the company. But if I was a shareholder, I would want to check that uh, pronto. Right, moving on. The last company that I'm going to talk about, or the last news release this week, is from Pan Global Resources, which has got a market capitalization of $42 million and a share price of $0.18. Cents. Um, it's at a multi-year low, two-year low, but it's a good company. Goodness me. Um, Pan Global, this is a this is a really, really nice news release. Uh, Pan Global intersects 1.04% copper. Thank you. No copper equivalents. Over 15.9 meters at the western expansion of La Romana, another Roman age discovery in the Iberian Pirate Belt. And this is copper, tin, and silver. The preamble, they whack up the highlights of the, of the front end. Highest grades intersected to date in the 25-hole drill program. New drilling confirms continuation of high-grade, near-surface, copper, tin, silver mineralization. And mineralization remains wide open with grades increasing to the west and down dip to the north. Question mark, high-grade. What do they mean by that? Is it really high-grade? 1% copper is it's higher than the average grade of copper being mined at the moment. It's lower than the average grade of the uh, resources that have just been published by Ivanhoe Mines and Makoko and Kiala. Nevertheless, the company goes on to say it's pleased to announce the intersection of additional mm, near-surface copper mineralization at the 100% owned Escasena uh, project in southern Spain. Acid results for five new drill holes from the western extension confirm mineralization over 1.35 kilometers of strike and remains open. These are the highest grade intersected to date in the current 25-hole drill program. Good. Aimed at testing the western extension of the La Romana mineralization. Good, nice, clear. I know what they're doing. They're trying to drill the western extension. They put in 25 holes and they've got five new drill holes from this. Right. Good. Interestingly, this company, the CEO, Tim Moody, uh, he's one of the industry's good guys. He's a straight shooter. Um, I spoke with him a few weeks ago because he called me up to talk about uh, the use of copper equivalents. And he says that he's got some documents from the Toronto Stock Exchange, which does mention exploration companies being able to use them. I, can, I did see that slide from a few years back. I'm just going to stick with what I can see on the TSX um, website that's publicly available to everybody. Um, they are the guidelines. You can follow them. And it does say that you should not use copper equivalents or metal equivalents. So um, we had a very civil conversation. He's, a, as I said, he's a super guy. He's an excellent operator. Um, he wanted to continue to use the copper equivalents just to show the value of the tin. It, it's a difference of opinion. I'm not going to uh, get into a a lot of argy-bargy here. I would rather that this tin just speaks for itself. And I think tin has got such a compelling narrative that um, I don't think you need to convert it into copper equivalents. But at least here, it is clear. So 16 meters at 1.04% copper, 0.03% uh, 
tin and 2.4 silver from 79 meters good we've got the from 2 which is good hull 170 12 meters at 0.8 copper 0.09 tin good from 61 meters nice and shallow thank you for including that uh, hull 168 13 meters at 0.67% copper, 0.13% tin. There you can see the, the the value of the tin because it changes the the this relatively low copper grade here into a what he calls a 1% copper equivalent, but I would avoid doing that. Uh, but again, from 52 meters, so nice and shallow. Downhole EM provides strong indication that the higher grade mineralization continues. Yes, it is higher grade. I wouldn't call it high grade. Um... Drill hole locations shown, assay results summarized, color details presented, all very good. And here comes the quote. It's encouraging that our ongoing, ongoing drill program confirms extensions to the high-grade copper tin mineralization. The potential to expand the high-grade mineralization further along strike to the west and down dip is exciting. The east-west strike length is now more than 1.35 kilometers and remains open with step-out drilling ongoing. Good. And then he goes on to say, the combination of near-surface mineralization, simple and predictable geometry, that's a good point, favorable metallurgy, that's a crucial point, particularly when it comes to tin, are significant advantages for potential open pit development. Good, I like it. Um, all well-made points that you can't, it's not new news, this is just opinion, but that's why the quotes are there, they're to reinforce these messages. The $6 million non-brokered private placement finance that closed earlier this week puts us in a strong position to fund a multi-target exploration program and maiden resource for La Romana. So that's the plan for next year. Really nice news release. Beautiful cross-section. Beautiful plan. What I particularly like about this plan is it shows the anomaly off to the west. It shows the A, A prime of the um, where the sections are and B and B prime. I only had space to put in the A, A prime uh, cross-section but it's crystal clear very very nice if you look on the news release actually the b b prime cross-section shows some very nice uh, super gene mineralization uh, interestingly zone b also has this kind of good grade one percent copper um 0.03 percent tin below the super gene zone so that's encouraging so all in all a very good news release i beg to differ about the, the use of the metal equivalents but we're not going to die in a ditch about it in this case. And that is the roundup for the week. I hope you found that useful. And um, remember, kick back when people talk about metal equivalents. It just does you no services as an investor um, because they have got no idea why or what those equivalents are because it's just too early. You just don't know. So keep pushing back and uh, see you next week. Thank you very much.